are going to be traveling over the, uh, the next couple of weeks. And so if we don't see you, Merry Christmas. Uh, we are, again, uh, there's a lot of things happening. Uh, all of it is in your bulletin. So we, there's a lot more Christmas stuff coming ahead. Next Sunday, I'm going to be bringing a Christmas message. And so join us for that time at 1030. And, uh, but if you are going to be traveling... Uh, Merry Christmas, and uh, we'll see you when you return. I heard recently, just this last week, in fact, I heard that one in three Americans are going to travel at some point in the, uh, in the next couple of weeks. How many here are just going to be traveling? All right, let me just see your hands. Okay, obviously not one in three here. All right. But uh, if you are traveling, may you have a good trip and come back and uh, may the Lord be with you as you travel. Well, you know, that, that's, that's a journey. So uh, you, you may be traveling. We have family that are going to be traveling here. and You know how you start a journey, right? You get into the car, you pack the car, you get into the car, you fuel it up, and then you go on the journey, you go a long distance, and, and, and eventually you get there. You, you, you have a plan. You hope to, to have certain things along the way. Sometimes there are unexpected things, but, but we all know about journeys, as, don't we? There, as followers of Jesus Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are also on an amazing journey. That journey began the day that you surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Actually, the journey began before that. It was when the Holy Spirit was drawing you and doing a work in you and some of the circumstances that led up to you coming to faith in Jesus Christ. But you surrendered your life to him. You recognized your lostness. You recognized that without him, you can do nothing. You recognized that, that, that there is no hope except hope in him. And, and you surrendered your life to Jesus. You said, you prayed something like this, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and, and forgive my sins. I recognize that I can't fix myself, but you can. I don't know all the answers, and I don't know everything about you, but I know that you alone are my hope come in, forgive me, and be my Lord and Savior. And you prayed that prayer in sincerity, and in that moment, you began a journey. You began a journey. It's a journey that's going to continue from that point until the very end of your life, but actually, then there's just this transition, and that is because you lived for Christ, because you surrendered your life to Christ, then you go to be with Christ in death. Glory to God. And then, of course, we are with him forever. It's an amazing journey. But some people, some people who begin that amazing journey, some people who begin to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, they make that prayer. They, they, there's an internal change, a transformation. It begins, but sometimes it ends. Sometimes the journey ends. They, they stop somewhere along the journey. They they, to use that travel journey analogy, they, they take an off-ramp or they, they have a crash and they don't, they don't go the full distance. They, 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 don't, they don't finish the journey. It's heartbreaking. I've seen it. Some of you have seen it. Maybe even, maybe even this morning, you're right there. Maybe, maybe. You are in that place, and God, by His great plan, 
would have you here to hear that statement today. Maybe you are right there. Maybe you've taken that off-ramp, or maybe you have crashed. Maybe there's something that has interrupted your journey, and, 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 and you're here for a reason. I'm really glad that you're here this morning, because Jesus still has a plan for you. How many here are very grateful that Jesus can help you on your journey? I am grateful that that because there's an incident, because there's an accident, because there's a, a, a pause in the journey, that doesn't mean that it's the end of the journey, that Jesus can still can restore us. So in recent weeks, in recent weeks, we have looked into God's Word to see some of the essentials. We've looked at some of the essentials that make a difference in our going the distance in our journey, the things that, that are going to make the difference between us from where we are to where we're going. And, and, and he helps us in that. In recent weeks, we've seen that. In fact, we've called these messages going the distance. We've called these messages going the distance. We, we've seen essentials like, like God's Word, how, how it's important time in God's Word, the Bible. Let me just say this again without bringing up the, that message that I preached some weeks ago. But time in God's Word is, is an absolute essential. If you want to grow in the Lord, if you want to have spiritual food that is going to nourish you throughout the week, every day, we must spend time in God's Word. And I shared a couple of weeks ago how, how uh, a person who spends just, just four days, four, or not, not complete days, but on, on at least four different occasions during the course of a week, persons who engage in the Word of God four times at different times during the week, there's a remarkable difference in their life. They live differently because they're receiving spiritual food. Some of you, I've challenged you to be in the Word because you've not been a person who's in the Word, whether it's listening to it or reading it, but to spend time in the Word. Some of you have begun doing that, and I encourage you to continue. Some of you started and have not continued, and I'm saying restart because it's that time in the Word that's going to make a big difference. We also looked at prayer. We also looked at prayer and how prayer is a di makes a difference. Time spent with Jesus, conversing with him. We saw in the word how Jesus himself, during his earthly life and ministry, would steal away and get away from all of the stuff, all of the challenges. I can't imagine the challenges that Jesus faced on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, but he would steal away to spend time with his father. Man, if he did it, I need to do it. And you need to do it. That time, that's going to strengthen us. It's going to keep us going. It's going to keep, it's, to, to use that journey analogy, it's going to keep the engine running. And, and not just as an obligation like, you know, i got to put fuel in the tank and it's no big deal. I never get excited about putting fuel in the tank. I'm not talking about that. But when we begin to engage the Word, God in His Word, and we begin to engage with God in prayer, then it, it becomes more than simply an obligation. It becomes something that we long for. I want you to come to a place in your life where it's not just something where we check the box, but it's something we long for. Lord, the challenges of life, I have this little time with you and, 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 and there's such a freedom that comes with that time. We also saw a few weeks ago how gratitude or giving thanks is important in going the distance and, and how coming to him and, and thanking him 
not, not simply obsessing or focusing on what we don't have, but thanking Him for what we do have, thanking Him for what He's done in our lives, thanking Him by faith for what He's going to do. We looked at the, the people of Israel and how they were grumbling, right? That's the word that was used again and again and again. And they, they would grumble against Moses, but they were really grumbling against God and how so many of them actually literally stopped in the journey on the way to the promised land, they never made it to the promised land because they were ingrates, because they, they, were, they, were, they lacked the gratitude that they were supposed to have for that, that, that giving of thanks or that thanksgiving. Two weeks ago, a few weeks ago, Pastor Brad shared what happens when partway through the journey we, we falter, right? What a great message. Uh, and and an examples from Scripture of people, particularly one person, but people who faltered along the way, right? Partway through the journey, halfway through, a third of the way through, maybe almost all the way through their journey, they faltered, but that wasn't the end. And Pastor Brad shared that great verse from, from Scripture, a, a righteous person falls seven times, but then rises again, which tells us this, that righteous people sometimes fall, but by God's grace, they get back up again. Some of you are right there, and you're going, Man, I need to hear that today. Well, we've looked at all of that. This morning, this morning I want to share another essential in going the distance on our journey with Christ. And it is the essential of the church, and that is the gathering of believers. Again, I'm going to share this today. This today's part 1. Next week we're going to we're going to I'm going to share something that God has placed on my heart for Christmas, and then, and then I'm going to come back to this in two weeks, Lord willing. But this morning, I want to share the essential of the church, and that is the gathering of believers. And I want us to begin in Mark chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Of course, because it's Mark chapter 1, and it is the most sequential of, of the Gospels, we know that this is at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's about age 30, and he's beginning his public ministry. Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 16, reads this way. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. One translation says, I will make you into fishers of men. At once, it says, they left their nets and they followed him. When Jesus had gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother, John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called Jesus, called them. And they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Now, just pause there for a, for a few moments. We're going to read some more. But, but here are these people. Jesus, again, at the very beginning of his ministry, he calls these people, and the first four that he calls were fishermen. You know, I never, never really thought about this until recently as I was studying this. I wonder, you know, these, these two sets of brothers... Uh, uh, they, they were not necessarily partners. There's no, there's no indication in Scripture that, that they did this together. Uh, they, they, were, they, they worked separately. You know, Zebedee had these two sons, 
and others who were, who were in one boat. They were one fishing enterprise. In there. And, I often, and it never hit me before. I thought, I wonder if they were competitors, right? I don't know. I wonder if, you know, I've been on the Sea of Galilee. It's, not, it's big, but it's not that big. And, and so they perhaps knew each other. They, they, were, they were going for the same fish. And, and now Jesus here, he calls them together. I often, I often have wondered about Zebedee. How did Zebedee feel about this, right? These are his sons. These are the, the, the two young men that, that are going to carry on the family business when Zeb is gone. And, and he's wondering this guy comes along, Jesus, and there's such an anointing upon him that with this very small invitation, they get out of the boat and they turn their backs on the family business and they go follow Jesus for the next three years. I wonder what Zebedee thought, standing there going, well, thanks, thanks a lot. Now I got all these fish myself. How did he feel? There's more to the story here that Obviously, we're not meant to know, but this, this was a very real circumstance. Jesus calling his disciples. Now, look, turn, turn the page to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 read this way. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. And again, this is the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd came to Jesus, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi. By the way, that's Matthew. That's another name for Matthew. He saw Levi, or Matthew, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. So there's some similarities here uh, about the same location along the Sea of Galilee. Uh, a very similar invitation, come and follow me. But the background is different. The, this man is not a fisherman, he's a tax collector. And we could say a lot about what he did and what he represented, but, but the response is the same. He gets up, turns his back on what he had been doing, and he begins to follow Jesus. They, they, they begin their journey. One more text, and that's in the next chapter, Mark chapter 3, verse 13, reads this way. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. Jesus appointed 12 that they might be with him, notice that, might be with him, and that he might send them, notice that, he, with him and then send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And then the, the verses after that are recorded the names of those who became his, his disciples. His 12 disciples are, are listed by name then. So th- those, those sets of verses, those three sets of verses that we just read record Jesus calling his disciples to be his followers. They're very significant verses because, again, they have some things in common. He did this in response. uh, uh, He'd done this following a great deal of prayer, but he calls these people to be his followers. And it's more than just a recording of events. These verses mark the beginning of their amazing journey. For every one of those persons who are listed, from that point forward, in the months and years that followed, they regarded that as the beginning of their journey. It was an amazing journey. Now, we have the Gospels. We have the record of much of what happened in the three years after that, but amazing things that these people saw and experienced. In fact, so many amazing things. There are many things that that are not recorded in Scripture that we're not supposed to know. They began this amazing journey, but there's something else that happened here. There's something else that happened here 
it, it, it's not the most obvious thing, but I assure you it is there. And that is in following Jesus, the disciples also began walking together. Now that's a strong implication, but I, I know that that's what happened. In following Jesus, when Jesus said, follow me, it's not that it was isolated. In following Jesus, they began walking together. Jesus is out there and he says, follow me. And so this group from, comes from over here and this group comes from over here and this guy comes over here and this guy comes over here. And together, they follow Jesus. As they follow Jesus, they also started walking together. Did you ever consider that? Because these 12 people were with Jesus, they were also with each other. It was a part of the deal. Now, I have to be honest that I don't think that that was the thing that stuck out in, the, in their minds at first. If you were to ask any one of those persons on day one, what's the most significant thing? It wasn't that we're on the journey together, it's that we're following him. And that would always be the most important. But as they followed Jesus, they were in this together. This was not incidental. This was not incidental. It, is not, it was not a nice byproduct of what Jesus was doing. Jesus, who was the most intentional person who ever lived. Listen, we have a record of what Jesus did, and there's not one thing that Jesus said by mistake in his life. Not one. There's not one action that is recorded in the Gospels that Jesus did by chance. Jesus was extremely intentional, and he knew, and he knew that in calling people to himself, he was also calling them together. He wanted them on this journey together. That's an important word. He wanted them on this journey together. Jesus did not, again, you can look at the Gospels, Jesus did not schedule individual discipleship lessons. You know, on Monday, John, you're Mondays from 9 to 10. Andrew, you're on from 10 to 11. Matthew, 11 to noon. Peter, you got all day Tuesday, right? And because we know Peter. It wasn't like that. It would be he would go together. Sometimes he would pull some out by themselves. But most of the time it would say he would turn to his disciples and he would begin to tell a story. Or he would talk about some event that just happened. They were doing this together. Now they had no building. They had no structure. There was no organization with which they could affiliate but, but by traveling the journey together, Jesus used that, that, that wonderful group dynamic. He used that wonderful group dynamic to shape and to prepare and to strengthen and to refine them. A number of years ago, I was taking classes at the University of Minnesota, and we were talking about uh, some group dynamic issues in, the, in the, the class that I was taking. And the, the, the professor, as far as I know, is not a believer, didn't exhibit Christian behavior, but, but, but uh, he, he, said, he said, you know, it has been studied that the optimal number of 
the, the, the best number of persons to really speak into someone's life, the, the best dynamic of a group is 12 people. More than that, it becomes too many. Less than that, there's, you, you lose something there. The, 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 one, the, the best one is 12. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Jesus calls these 12 people to himself but they did life together. They were, in a sense, even though the church that we regard the church wouldn't happen until the day of Pentecost, in one sense, Jesus was shaping them together, and this was, in a sense, a, the first church, the first gathering of followers of Jesus Christ. And Jesus used his disciples to shape and to prepare his disciples. Think about that. It wasn't just Jesus speaking, but he used disciple to prepare disciple. People would say things, and Jesus would, would, would jump off of that, and he would talk about it with the rest of the disciples. One disciple would do something, and Jesus would, 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 would go off on that in a good way. He would, he would take off on that, and, and he would teach some things to the entire group. There were, there were things that happened, I'm sure that are not recorded, there were things that happened, there were things that were happening among people that was shaping them and preparing them for what lay ahead. When I was a boy, when I was a boy, I, um, I learned a poem. It's a very simple poem. Uh, maybe I was five or six, uh, not really sure. I remember it was a lady named Grandma. We, she wasn't my grandma. We just called her that because she was really, really old. She was like 52, 53 years old. <laughs> grandma Meyer taught us this poem this one day, and, uh, and uh, it, it, it goes like this. Oh, and it has action, so, so you'll, you'll want to pay attention, all right? It goes like this. It says, it, 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 and, and maybe, maybe you're familiar with it. it. It goes like this. Here's the church. No, 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 no. No, hey, hey, I'm telling the poem, okay? Man, you guys. <laughs> Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Next. Open the doors. See all the people. Man, the first day I learned that, I thought, that is the coolest thing. It's so, so good. No, Kurt, you put your fingers like this. Kurt, put your fingers like this. He's up there. Yeah, he's up there trying to figure it all out. Here's the church. It's, it's kind of tied together, isn't it? Here's the church. And, and, and here's the steeple, and you open the doors, and you see all the people. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The, the, the longer I've served Jesus, and the, the more that I have the more that I have um, been around the church, I realize that this is not the church. This is the church, right? That, that if, if a church does not have this, it's, it, it's still a church. That if, 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 the, if, if all of a sudden this burned down or was blown away in a twister, <laughs> this would still be in existence, now, I'm going to go on to say this. No building, I'm grateful for a nice building. I really am, and I'm really grateful for our building here in this, in this church. But, but I, I, no building has really ever changed my life. But people have changed my life, right? This is the church. The people, the people are the church. 
We are the ones who shape each other. We're the ones who change each other. We're the ones who change each other. We're the ones who alter each other. A few weeks ago, I shared, a few weeks ago, I shared the, the, the example of Dale Moulton, right? Some of you were here. And I shared about how Dale Moulton was a, was a, a follower of Jesus Christ. He, he died. He died about 15, 16 years ago. He, he passed away, and, 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 and he was a person who read through the Bible 52 times. Do you know, he changed my life through his example. He, he changed my life through his example. There was someone else, we talked about the word earlier, he did the, there was someone else, somebody named Alma Bender. How many remember Alma Bender? She was here. Godly, godly woman. A woman of, of, of deep and intense prayer. For years we had a, a, a Saturday evening and, and sometimes there was just a few, most of the time there was just a few of us here, but she was here, if she was healthy, she was here. And I just, she, she changed me by the way that she prayed. There are people that I pastored in, in the churches that I pastored in Minnesota who, who deeply affected and changed my life, who altered me by their example. They've gone to be with Jesus. She said, I, can, you, I, I can mention your name, but you have to die first, all right? <laughs> there were people in the church that I grew up in uh, here in South Dakota who had a, a, an enormous influence on my life as a follower of Jesus Christ. When I was a boy, when I was a teenager, I would look at some of those youth or older youth, or I would look at some of the young adults, and, and, and I would say, that, I want to be that kind of a man of God. See, that happened, that happened because we, we affected each other. We influenced each other. There were people that I, again, pastored in Minnesota when, when our kids were really small, when they were first born and, 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 and just, just, you know, they were real young and very small. And, 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 I, and I remember saying, oh, Lord, I, I want to be a good father. And I would look at people in the church that I pastored. They don't think they even knew that I looked at them and, and studied them. But I, I observed them. I observed them because I wanted to be that kind of a parent. And I wanted to have kids like that. It happened because we were a part of a church. I saw demonstrated in my life compassion and kindness and grace. There was, a, there was a, for a period of time, my family was homeless. We had no home. And a man in our church opened up, his name was Cliff. Cliff opened up his house and we lived in his house for two months little bitty house, slab house, no basement, no upstairs, just everyone together. We were together in that house, and that man showed me what it's nice, what it is to be kind to people. Why? Because we were a part of a church. Because it was more than just him sitting down the pew from us on Sunday morning, or on Sunday night, or on Wednesday night, or another time. It was we did life together. They were more than just another parishioner in our church, more than someone who just attended. We did life together, and I am serving Jesus in part today because of those people. The church. This, this, this never changed anyone. But this changes. 
This makes a difference. This makes a difference. Back to those disciples for a moment. Back to those disciples. I'm sure that there were times when, uh, when their commitment to each other was strained. Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, James and John came to Jesus. And, and they asked, uh, one, they both asked to be seated. One time their mother came, and then another occasion they came, and they wanted to be seated on Jesus's, one on Jesus' left and another one on Jesus' right hand when he established his kingdom. You know, I'm, I'm thinking that the other disciples probably thought, who do you think we are? Do you think that maybe created a little bit of stress and a little bit of strain among them? On another occasion, Peter is talking with Jesus. The other disciples are there, and Peter makes this comment. He said, Jesus, even if everyone else abandons you and takes off when the heat is on, I won't. I'm sure that endeared him to the rest of the disciples. See, what, I, what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to look at this and say, you know, this was, this was a, a perfect relationship that everything was good. No, but, but, but even with those times, through those times of tension and the humbling and the restoration that followed, Jesus shaped those people and he prepared them for what he knew was ahead of them. Jesus knew and Jesus was intentional in gathering these people together, calling them, and then them being together, and they helped shape each other. Jesus, with, with of course, the direction of the Lord and the power of the Lord, Jesus spoke into them more than anyone, but they spoke into each other's lives because Jesus knew that in a relatively short period of time, he was going to leave and they would need each other. They would need each other. They were going to make it. And here's here's the thing. All of them, except one, made it. All of them, except one, went the distance. In large part because they traveled the journey together. And not only did they do ministry together, and they walked the journey together, you can read throughout the the book of Acts, which is the history book of the early church, and you will see there not just the disciples in the early chapters, but other followers of Christ later on in that history who were always doing it together. You can read into Paul's epistles, and what is he doing? He says, you know, I'm here, but I'm writing to you, and please greet these other people who are a part of the church there. See, these people... They understood the importance and the value of the church. I want you to listen to me. I want you to listen hard. As followers of Jesus Christ today, we desperately need each other. And sometimes we act like we don't, but let me tell you, I'm not asking you, I'm not asking you to consider this, I'm telling you, (coughs) from the Word of God, we desperately need each other. We don't know what's ahead. We don't know the challenges that you're going to face as an individual or that we're going to face as a congregation or the challenges that we're going to face in our society. But I'm telling you, one way or another, in some way, shape, or form, we need each other. I need people. (laughs) If you 
if you would have known me, if you would have known me at age 22, 23, I don't know if you would have liked me very much. I was like, some of you don't like me now, but I, 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 at age 23, I was, here was my attitude. I don't need anyone except Jesus. I mean, that was kind of my attitude. I don't need anyone except Jesus. I don't need a wife. I don't need, I don't, I got some friends. I'm okay, but it's just, just me and Jesus. Well, you know what? It should never be just me and Jesus. Because Jesus, while he calls us to himself, we're also called into fellowship with each other. But sometimes, even, even those who have been serving Jesus a long time, they still act as if it's just me and Jesus. I don't need anyone else. That a, a commitment to a gathering of believers is just kind of secondary. But we desperately need each other. <laughs> I was talking with someone, I don't have permission to tell you, but I was talking with them on Wednesday night after the Bible study, and this gal, she, she said to me, I don't know what I would do without the body of Christ. That's a quote. I can't say her name because I didn't get permission. She said, I... I I, am, I don't know what I'd do without the body of Christ. And I said, amen. I don't know what I'd do either. But there are people that try. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago how uh, I was talking with Ryan, a children's pastor, Pastor Ryan. He and Kelsey going through this. And Ryan came back from one, one of the trips to, uh, to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester. And he said, he said, my heart breaks for some of those people. They don't have anyone. They don't have a church like we have. He says, they're out there all alone. He says, we don't have a church. They don't have a church like we have. And I'm not talking about, right? I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about this. Connected together. I'm going to also say this. These are some strong things that I'm saying, but I'm going to say it. You will never, you will never grow in your potential in the kingdom of God without each other. I've heard people, or maybe more often, I've seen people who demonstrate the attitude, I don't need any other believer. But the thing is, so much of what I see, so much of what I see people interacting in the Word is, is, uh, is, is, in, the context, is in the context of fellowship with other believers. You carry one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. How can you do that if you're not walking in the journey with other people? The Bible says, forgive others as he has forgiven us. How can you do that if you're not in fellowship and someone doesn't offend you? It's going to happen. And it's in that point, in that context, where you forgive your brother or your sister. You pray for one another. You love on one another. You demonstrate that love in so many ways to one another. You commit to one You teach one another. You disciple one another. You, you, come, to, you come to church, a building, or you come to a gathering wherever we would happen to meet. Joni was with a group that was last night. That was the church. It was a, it was a Bible study last night on the south end of town. But it's part of our church. It was the church there. When they get together, they minister together. But when you come and you're apart, <clears throat> it's not just to come and get, it's to come and give. Let me tell you, this, this is not Walmart. This is not the grocery store. 
And you know what I do with Walmart? I go in, I buy it. No, I go in, I get it off the shelf. I go and I check out and I leave. I'm, I'm on a mission. I am there to get. That's, I am not there. I do not walk around Walmart saying, you know what, I, I'm not using this can of sauerkraut. I think I'll just put it on the shelf. You go there to get. But some people treat church like Walmart. I'm going to go, I'm going to get, I'm going to leave as soon as possible. And it's wrong. Some of you are, it's like, serve me, feed me, fix me, help me. You know what? God has called you here to be a part of this fellowship so that you can serve others. That's what it's all about. Until you get to that point, you're going to say, well, it's just, and, 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 and something's, you know what, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Somebody's going to tip over your can of corn and you're going to say, well, I'm going to go to another store. I'm going to become a target person. Is this thing bulletproof? Is this? This is bulletproof, right? There's a shield there. You will never grow in your kingdom potential by yourself. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish with a couple of questions. This is, like I said, this is just part one. Part two is in two weeks, so be warned, all right? And I saw your hands, who's traveling, so I'm expecting you to be here in two weeks, all right? All right. I finish with a couple of questions. I want you to ask your, yourself this question. Don't you wonder it about someone else. This is for you. Don't you wonder it about someone. This is for you. Are you connected with other followers of Jesus Christ to the point that they are making you more like Jesus? Let me ask it again. Are you in fellowship with other followers of Jesus Christ to the point that they are shaping you into something that more resembles Him. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Or are you so disconnected that really no one affects you and you affect no one? Don't ask it of someone else. It's of you. Here's another question. When you face the inevitable challenges of life, and by the way, the challenges of life are inevitable, to whom do you turn? When that hard thing comes your way, it has, it is, it will when it comes your way, to whom do you turn? Here's the thing. You know, some people do not turn to a whom, they turn to a what. They turn to a thing. How many people do you know that are suddenly facing the challenges of life and they turn to a thing? Or they turn to the wrong people. Do you know that there are some people in this world you should never turn to in a time of crisis? Because it'll, it'll make a bad situation an even worse situation. Some of you say, well, i got coffee friends. I'm not talking about friends. I'm talking about people who will shape you into something that more resembles Jesus Christ. Are you so connected that when the crisis comes, the first one you go to is the Lord Jesus Christ and the second one is a fellow believer in Jesus Christ because you're connected? Remember I, I, a few minutes ago I told you about how 
for a period of time, our family was homeless. I mean, literally, we had nothing. A year or two before that, my parents had ministered to this man in one of the worst crises of his life, perhaps the worst one. And a year later, when we faced our crisis, he was the first one to call. He said, our home is open for you. Why? Because we're this. Because we're the people. When you face the inevitable challenges of life, to whom do you turn? One more. I saved the, the hardest one for last. If everyone had the same commitment to the church as you have, not the building, not, 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 not the building with the steeple, but the people. If everyone in this church had your same level of commitment, would there even be a church? If everyone were as committed to connecting with the body as you are, would there even be a church? I want us to go the distance. I want you to go the distance. And I recognize that one of the big factors, one of the big factors... I didn't put it first because I don't think it's the most important. I, I really think that hearing from God in His Word is the I, but But I'll tell you what, it's, it's one of the big ones. You want to make it, you want to go the distance, you want to make a difference in this world, then you need to be a part of a body of believers and some of you just got to quit fooling around. It's like, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, the, the illustration is not perfect, of course, but you know what? I, Joni and I dated for, 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 for two years. And, and finally it came to the point is either we, we end this thing or, 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 we, or we get married. But we were just not going to play around. No, we, we didn't play around. That sounds terrible. Right? That's, that's, that's not in the notes. See, I got to stick with the notes. As I was saying it, it was like, pull that in. We got to the point in our relationship where, you know what, we're either going to get married, we're going to commit to each other in marriage, or we're just going to co co continue dating, or, or we're going to end this. Some of you are just, you're just dating the, the gathering of believers. It's a, it's a convenience thing. I'll go and I'll get a little bit, and when I'm done, I'll leave, and it's no big deal. Listen, I want you to be in a relationship with a body of believers. Commitments. Because it's through that that God's going to do amazing things. Mark chapter 3 is still before you here. You still see that verse up there. Notice that before Jesus sent them out, before he gave them authority to speak and to heal and to deliver people from demonic powers, Jesus called them to himself. And with that, he called them to each other. Why so often are people powerless? 
Why so often do they struggle and instead of speaking authority over sickness and demonic spirits, instead of speaking authority the Word of God, it's because they've not been with Him and because they fail to understand the importance of being with each other. Lana, would you come? I'm, we're going to close in prayer. And this is a this is, a, this is a time where I think every one of us, because quite honestly, the, the, the Lord had to do a work in me, and there's not a, I don't think there's hardly a message that I ever bring that the Lord hasn't either done, a, 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 have had to live it, or I, or I soon will. Um, but I've had to do some, Lord, am I committed to the body? We say, you're the pastor. No, no, am I, am I? Do I, do I, do, when I'm going through it, do I have others pray for me? When I'm struggling, do I run to another, to the Lord first, but then do I gather people around us and pray for me? You need to ask yourself the question, though. Are you just kind of in a dating relationship, so to speak, with the body of Christ? Are you ready to commit? Some of you just, you, 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 can't, you can't keep playing around. You just can't. You just can't. The body of Christ is too important. Some of you have been disparaging the church, putting down the body of Christ. you got to stop that. You know, because you know what the church is? The church is the bride of Christ. You don't speak bad things about the bride of Christ. You want to get the groom upset? You put down his bride. Don't you do that. And I'm not talking this. I'm talking this. I'd like you to stand with me, please. I asked some questions. And I, I'm asking that now in just this place of prayer, I'm going to close in prayer in just a moment and you're free to come forward, Psalter. Um, but, but I don't want it to just happen here. I want it to happen out there. Be the body of Christ. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the ways in which you've spoken to us. I pray that anything I have spoken on my own volition would be quickly forgotten. But I pray that what you have spoken into our hearts would change us. Lord, I pray that even in the weeks to come, they will forget who said it, but they'll know that you spoke it into their hearts. Help us to not just go to church, but to be the church. To not just go to a place with a steeple or a spire. To not go to simply church, a brick and mortar, but to understand that I am the church. I'm a part of the church. Help me, help us to understand it's not a place I go to. It's who I am.
I'm the church. We're the church. And we're doing this journey together. Help us to grow in you in part, in large part, because of each other. We want to go the distance. We really want to go the distance. And we thank you. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's church said, amen. All right. God bless you. God bless you. Go in the presence and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be the church.